Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. And you can become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Well, as always, we've got Ishmael Johnson here. Ish, how you doing? Yo, man, long time no see. Yeah, it's a this time of year is always an interesting one for us, right? Because we are full bore into magazine uh, and Obviously for you, I mean, you just finished up basketball. It's, yep. <laughs> it's a, it's a time I, I always say. So for mostly everybody else, May is like the busiest time of year, but since I'm doing only right, oh, not only writing, I mean, I help with the editing and stuff, but like yeah. my Aprils are wild, just <laughs> absolutely wild. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's always, uh, May is usually when we kind of do a lot of the fine tuning and stuff like that, but April's a lot of like. Uh, moving foundation foundational stuff right right the, the hard writing the interviewing the things like that yes for the most part uh at least in the college section it's my stuff that's being fine-tuned so first i gotta get in <laughs> first i gotta do the heavy lifting and then we can fine-tune but yeah. uh yeah no i mean but it's exciting stuff i mean we uh got some great interviews this week uh just got off the phone with the new head coach at texas a great great guy so Listen, it's an exciting time. Uh, that's always the fun part about this too, right? Is like, this is like our one time a year when things are just kind of light and we can just get in the room and, and talk mm. to people. So it's a, it's always a fun time. It's always a fun For time. Sure. But uh, we've got some news. We've got some April college football news. Yeah, actual news. <laughs> actual news. Uh, according to The Athletic, the NCAA has passed a one-year transfer waiver which means that any player who transfers this offseason will be immediately eligible at their new stop. This, according to The Athletic, uh, Nicole Auerbach over there, uh, it won't be official until Thursday at the end of the meeting because they still have to like officially announce and all that sort of stuff. But that's the word. Uh, Nicole Auerbach knows her stuff. She's not going to tell us something wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's an expected move, but yeah. it's still a pretty big one. Yeah, so is it, is it a... Is it from now on or is it from this year? It is a one-year rule at this point. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, we've already, I mean, the COVID situation and the kind of the, you know, the freezing of eligibility already made it kind of a an interesting offseason, right? Where we talk, where we're looking at when it comes to signing classes, when it comes to um, uh, roster construction in general, it's really had teams kind of think about, how many kids are taking in, how many high school kids are taking in, how many transfers they want. And it's had obviously players decide their futures, you know, whether they're going to retain their eligibility or kind of stay on that four-year track that they were on before 2020. And now like it just, this just kind of clears a lot of the red tape that was kind of hovering over their area. Right. Where, you know, it's like, Oh, am I going to be immediately eligible X, Y, and Z. And, um yeah I, I i mean obviously i think it's a good thing i think kids should be able to i think this i i hope this should be something for the future where everybody gets like a one you know a one-time transfer deal um but you know i i, I this is going to make this offseason a lot more interesting because <laughs> now you have to uh, kind of uh behind the scenes i was talking to uh uh jake spatherall earlier today for the magazine the tech state preview and we kind of got into a little bit of the discussion about this because of the timing. 
And he mentioned something that I didn't really think about, right? Because everybody thinks mostly about like the, the, the power five guys, the freshmen and sophomores that may not be punching their way into the two deep, you know, at the end of their year. And so they move on, right? They go down to G5 or they go to another power five. But he also mentioned, he's like, well, what about the opposite? What about the guys that break out, right? That broke out in G5, right? And like want to prove themselves at a power five. And I, I, that was something I didn't even think about. Where it's like, oh, you know, I'm not saying he's transferring, but like, oh, the Marcel Barbies of the world, right? That break out at Texas State. He's like, well, oh, let's see if I can make it at AM, right? Let's see if I can make it at Baylor, right? I'm not saying again, not that's not me reporting anything, but just like he mentioned those possibilities for the future if this becomes something that just becomes part of the rules now, right? Yeah, I, I think I think that's definitely something to keep an eye on, right? But mm-hmm. for me, my perspective has always been if Marcel Barbie can create a better opportunity for himself, 100%. you know, take it. And, yeah. you know, I mean, look, I should have hinted, like he didn't mention this is no, a bad no. thing, right? This is, this mostly, is hypothetical. Yeah, he, he was mostly in just like, it's, hey, this is going to be different. And this is a way different way to look at it. It wasn't, he didn't position it as like, this is a negative thing. It was mostly no. just like a, it was just the poss- uh, the scenario that he like came up with. It was like, well, what about the breakout guys in G5, you know? Yeah, well, I think that the other thing too that's worth mentioning is that, well, one, for the most part, we've seen at least with the grad transfer rule, right? It's mostly guys leaving to go get more playing time. It's usually not, you know, these guys who are superstars who are maybe NFL players. It's not usually that. That happens. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but, you know, Jalen Darden didn't leave, right? Like right, that, right, it, yeah, yeah. it wasn't that kind happen. of thing. Right, right. It's not, right. It's not always going to happen. It's not going to be like 20 guys are going to just like in mass leave, right? It's not going to be what, you know, uh, uh, critics of this rule will say the wild west right it's gonna be right. maybe a little more than what we've seen and the reason why we're seeing more this year is because of the covid freezing of eligibility like right this isn't gonna we're not gonna see this every single year yeah i mean most transfers don't end up i i don't want to blanket statement but don't end up going somewhere quote-unquote better right like yeah. most most transfers end up going somewhere where they can play because ultimately look i i mean Again, not to pick on Marcel Barbie, who we're obsessed with, but like it is cooler for Marcel Barbie to be a star who scores 10 touchdowns at Texas State right. than it is for him to be, you know, Texas AM's fifth receiver. Like, right. and, and I'm not saying that's what he would be, but you're also stepping into a situation, you know, if you do transfer where, you know, you have to learn the playbook right away, you don't have the cachet with the staff. Uh, I mean, it, it's tough. I, I think that we also underrate how just difficult it is to transfer. Yeah, no, 100%. That's why, like, you know, you see guys transferring closer to home, right? You see guys, you mentioned they don't go to necessarily a quote-unquote better spot because, one, they're trying to play, so they do they do go to a less talented team to where they are higher on the on the uh, pecking order um, in terms of talent. And, yeah, it is just harder to transfer in general. Like, you know, you're, you're picking up and moving somewhere else, new offense, new coach, new environment, new teammates, new everything, right? It's not, it was all like, a, it was a shock to us as, you know, when we were freshmen going to college, yeah. right? And just imagine doing that again and just be, like at 19, right? Like, and just like doing it for a second time in two years or a second time in three years or whatever, right? It's just, uh, it's not as easy as it sounds. We're just like, well, I'm going to pick up my life and I'm going to go somewhere else. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it's really hard. And I mean, that, that's the thing, right? I think that a lot of the time when we talk about these kinds of decisions, the agency of them as people gets kind of left out of it, right? I mean, I'll tell you what, uh, during my freshman year, you know, I ultimately, thankfully had a good time at Baylor and, and it worked out for me. But like, man, I wanted to transfer when I was a freshman, right? Like, 
I, it, it, it's hard. It's hard to transition to a new place. It's, and it's even harder when on top of just trying to be a college student, you then also have to be an athlete too. So, uh, so look, I, I just, you know, this idea, even that there's these kids who are going to want to go to five schools in five years. Like, I just don't think that that's realistic, right? Like, I think that most kids don't want to do that, but anyway, uh, probably enough about that. So because of this, there's been a number of transfers over the offseason, like you mentioned, not just because of this expected transfer rule, because this was relatively expected, mm-hmm. uh, but also because of the fifth year rule where seniors will get another year of eligibility back. Uh, and also just, I mean, it's, it's just been an offseason where a lot of kids have transferred. And so we're going to go through, you know, we kind of know the big names, right, of the guys mm-hmm. who are transferring. We know Tanner Mordecai is headed to SMU. We know Tyler Shug is head, headed to Texas Tech, right? We know those ones. We wanted to go a little bit more under the radar. And so we each picked three guys. We didn't actually cross-check before, so I have five written down just in case. But okay. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so we've got uh, three guys each who are kind of more under the radar. You know, guys who maybe will break into the rotation. Um, and, and, you know, guys who maybe could surprise a little bit. So, Ish, why don't you go first? All right. I got one who... He's not necessarily a no-name transfer. I think he's a pretty big transfer, but he's not somebody that we've haven't really we haven't really talked about him a, a lot. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Jameer Johnson from Tennessee to A uh, and M. Yes, he was on my list too. Okay, so he is somebody we talked about a lot about A M's offensive line last year. Excellent, excellent offensive line. Best unit in the all, state. Yes, and we talked about how they lost a lot and you know Kenyon Green is obviously going to be somebody who's the, the anchor of that now um they we hope somebody young like Bryce Foster may be able to punch his way into the rotation when he gets on campus right we're hoping by the end of the year he's probably even starting in a couple games Jameer Johnson gives them some surefire immediate help which is what they're going to need a lot of these guys are going to be new either freshmen or guys who are they, they played somewhat last year, but they were in the rotation. It was a veteran unit, so they didn't get that many reps or as many reps as you would hope for a starting SEC offensive lineman. And so I think Jameer Johnson is going to be a fantastic pickup, a massive pickup for that team, because outside of the offensive line and quarterback, you have a veteran team, right? You have a team that's returning a lot of talent especially defensively as well. They lost some key players on defense, but it's going to be overall a team. When you look at the target areas, it's going to be obviously the quarterback and it's going to be the offensive line that are going to be the most, I'd say, I don't want to say red flag, but kind of orange flag, right? Like kind of like, yeah, those are a little worrying. We're just kind of trying to see what those positions turn out to be. Um, And so, yeah, Jameer Johnson to me is that, is that guy. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that, you know, you have Kenyon Green coming back, who's a legit All-America type. Uh, You know, I I don't know if we've heard much about whether they're thinking about kicking him out to tackle, because that's where he was originally recruited. But, you know, if he stays at guard even, I mean, he's a big, big time player. And just adding one more tackle, right? Just Mm -hmm. somebody who you can slot into the starting lineup, who's played in the SEC before. Uh, you know, still a young player, right? Like Johnson is a tackle too. So like, yes, he yes, he play is. Right, right, I think he played both right and left. Right. And so just to bring in a guy who's done that before, it just means that you get to lock up two of those and there's only three spots where you kind of rely on your depth. Right. And, yeah. you know, the, the thing that I'll say too, is that Josh Henson, Texas A&M's offensive line coach has been as good as any in the States over the past couple of years. I mean, they've recruited 
at a crazy level. You mentioned a kid like Bryce Foster coming in. They've got some kids on campus too uh, who will fi- uh, factor into the rotation right away. But yeah, I mean, this this offensive line recruiting class, not that they'll contribute right away, is crazy from them. I mean, it is it is scary good. You look in, in two, three years, I mean, and, um, I mean, they're going to have as good an offensive line as last year, I guess is the point. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, yeah, being able to lock down two of those positions for this upcoming year, I mean, look, I, I don't want to say this every single time we talk about AM, but like this is an AM team that I think kind of has a one game season. I think they're a head and shoulders above everybody other than Alabama on their schedule. And so, you know, and, and you have five, I don't want to call them tune up games because that's a little unfair to Mississippi State and Arkansas, but not too unfair to Mississippi State and Arkansas. You know, sure. you, you have five games to kind of get ready for Alabama uh, in, in College Station. So, I think, yeah, you lock up two of those positions. You kind of let those other three positions work their way through. I mean, you're in good shape, I think. Yeah. What do you got? All right. I'll start. Uh, so, again, at SMU, they've got two big-time transfers that I think everybody knows, Tanner Mordecai at quarterback and Grant Calcaterra at tight end. I think you're about to say one of mine on my list. Trey Siggers. Yes. <laughs> at running back. Yes, yes, yes. So here's the deal, right? Last year, and actually I, I just got done uh, with the interviews for the SMU preview today. Uh, awesome mm-hmm. staff over there. I mean, we, we love them over there. Um, you know, and, and one thing that Garrett Riley, the offensive coordinator said is, is basically, look, when TJ McDaniel went down, I mean, their plan kind of went out the window, you, you know, because they they very much expected uh, Ulysses Bentley to kind of be the compliment, uh, the compliment, right. That, to be yeah. sort of that, that speedy guy that you put next to the workhorse guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, uh, all respect to Tyler Levine who tried his best. I mean, it's, it's just not, it's not the same. Right. And so yeah. now you have McDaniel back and I expect he's going to play a whole ton. Mm-hmm. You have Trey Seegers come in who was sort of a workhorse back for North Texas back mm-hmm. a couple of years ago and who has done it against really good teams too, against that level of competition. Uh, you know, I think that just, he makes that room so different in my opinion. He just makes it a room that, you know, has this, this great sort of uh, speed back, right. Who rushed mm-hmm. for, I believe a thousand yards last year uh, in Ulysses Bentley, but he just adds so much more stability in my opinion. So you, you go from having one guy who, you know, is going to be a good player for you to three guys who not only I think are, are going to be good players for you, but I think three guys who could play on, on, on almost any team in the state. Yeah, 100%. I think what he also adds, which is something Ulysses Bentley had a little bit, but I think he gives you a little, maybe a little bit more physical presence, is somebody in the passing game, right? Yeah. He, had a, he was very, very dynamic, especially 2019 when they had a little bit more uh, stable quarterback play. Um, he was really, really valuable for them in the passing game. Those little little short out routes, he was a big safety blanket for, for Mason Fine, and I think that's something that they're going to really find extremely valuable um, having now multiple receiving options out of the, out of the backfield. That's, I think that's going to be just as valuable as you mentioned with just that stability of having somebody else not named TJ McDaniel, that's going to be um, kind of be uh, able to shoulder a workload. Yeah. That's something that he's developed too. Cause he coming out of high school, I want to say he was like maybe 180, right? He's not a, yeah. he's not a tall kid and he definitely wasn't a big kid coming out of high school, but I want to say he's 200 plus now. And like, it's something that he's just added onto his game. Yeah, and I think that the other thing too is that I'm really excited with this uh, with this SMU offense. I mean, I'm always excited with this SMU offense, but uh, but you know, I feel like you bring in uh, you bring in Trey Siggers, you bring in Calcaterra. There's another tight end transfer from Arizona State whose name is escaping me, so I apologize. But you kind of have a lot of guys to where 
you have the ability to be really versatile where sure. I think that you could run two running back sets where you have guys running stuff out of the backfield. You could have, you know, two tight end sets where both guys kind of go out as receivers or block. I mean, I just think that you have so many more guys to be versatile with than I think you did in previous years. And, and this is already an SMU team that obviously has done a great job of using the tight end of using the running back in, in the receiving game. So I'm just excited to see with a, with a few more toys, what this offense can do. Same here. All right. I think I'm up next. Yes. I'm going to go to Texas state and I'm yep. going to go with somebody that I don't think we've mentioned yet really when it comes to transfers, I'm going to go DC Williams from Vanderbilt. Okay. Okay. Cornerback. He started two games for Vanderbilt last year. I believe he was uh, kind of a, a, a COVID uh, uh, he had COVID issues last year. So mm-hmm. he kind of got lost in the rotation. What I didn't know, he was also, he started five games for Wisconsin as a freshman in 2017 before he transferred to Juke for Juco. So to me, and this is, this is a, a secondary that's was riddled with injury last injuries last year by Texas state. They bring in a transfer, a grad transfer who is good enough to start for a Derek Mason defense and a Jim Leonard defense. Seems good. I think you have a pretty damn good cornerback on your hands now to work with, with uh, Jaron Morris. So yeah, when I saw I, I saw he started two games for Derek Mason last year, and you know obviously Derek Mason no longer there, but his defense was pretty damn good, right? That was the one thing he always could coach, and of course Jim Leonard now is one of the fast rising defensive coordinators in the country of Wisconsin. He was starting for him in 2017 as a true freshman. So I think that you look at the secondary at Texas State, a second a secondary that again riddled with injury last year, a lot of safeties playing corner. A lot of guys moving around, just like really, really unstable situation. You bring in a guy who, okay, now you probably have the one and two lockdown, right? Now you can just worry about the nickel. You can just worry about developing the safeties. I think he's going to be an invaluable addition to this defense who really needs that stability based off last year. Cause they were, I mean, you know, guys weren't playing in their positions last year. It was, you know, a lot of guys coming down to play linebacker. They were already new at linebacker in general. And then, so when you pushed out safeties to, to outside to fill in at corner to, for injuries, like it was just a mess. And so they already brought they they brought in a ton of help from transfers in terms of on, on, on defense. I think DC Williams is going to be, by the end of the year, we're going to be like, damn, how'd they get this guy? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I would have put money down before the show that you were going to pick at least one of the Texas State kids since there are so many to choose oh, from. What, uh, what, what, made you, what made you think that? <laughs> uh, the other thing, too, is, you know, when I think about Texas State's defense last year, you, you remember the scene in Spider-Man where, like, he's, like, holding the train and, like, he, he's just, like, like he just makes just the weirdest, most stressed the build, face. The, build, the building's ripping apart and yep. he's trying to just stop the train. <laughs> that was Jared morris last year for texas right, state's right, defense right. so adding adding that kid to the mix i think is going to be huge yeah i mean and i think you could have gone with eric sutton from smu too another 100%. cornerback I, well, I, think, I think i think that's what i think that's what intrigues me about dc williams is because you have another proven corner in eric yeah. sutton so where it's like okay do you maybe move a sutton to the nickel or do you move jaron morris to the nickel where you have yeah. an elite nickel cornerback now um to somebody you know we know that jaron morris is good on the outside but do you move him to safety do you move him to nickel now putting him more places on the field because you have two now, you know, uh, power, a power five, and then basically a power five corner in Eric Sutton, you know, SMU is a kind of a tangential yeah. power five program. So 
you know, yeah, it, it just makes the depth that much better. Um, I could have gone Sutton, yeah, but I, I looked more into DC Williams and I was like, you know what? I think the ceiling might be there with him, just considering where he came from. Two different elite defensive coordinators looked at him and says, yeah, this guy's good enough to start. Yeah, no question about it. And I think that, you know, for me, I am really intrigued by that idea of moving Jaron Morris to the nickel, just giving him some freedom, you know, just mm-hmm. letting him kind of be that like X factor that you kind of move around the field. Cause you know, last year, right. Like basically he just got thrown wherever the action was. And it was like, please stop this, whatever, whatever <laughs> right. the right side, left side safety doesn't matter, please. Yeah, no, it was funny. I, I remember, and not to make this too much about Jaron Morris, but like, uh, you know, I remember at the end of the year, just looking being like, you know, when, when cornerbacks have a lot of stats, it's usually not a good thing because it means right. they're being targeted a lot. Right. But it's just, again, it was literally that Zach Spavadol was like, all right, where is anything going to happen? I need Jaron Morris to be in the middle of it because <laughs> Lord yes, knows like, who else. <laughs> right, right, exactly. It wasn't that people were targeting him. It was that they were moving him to the action. <laughs> right, right. So it'll be a lot of fun to kind of uh, get him some help. And, and yeah, I mean, I think that he could have a really good year if he's kind of asked to do a little less than he was last year, which is something that you don't normally hear. So right. let's, uh, let's go ahead and move on to my second one. So there are a couple guys at Texas Tech that I considered – but I'm going with Texas Tech, going to their conference mate and stealing their left tackle. I'm going with TJ Stormans. Yeah. So you watch you watched Texas Tech last year. And yes. I mean, look, there's I think the last two years. Yes. yes, I watched a lot of Texas Tech last year. I, I think that the last two years, there's been a lot of why isn't this going better? <laughs> you know, and right. and last year on offense, especially, the answer was pretty clear. It was because the tackles were awful, just just mm-hmm. horrifically, horrifically bad. And I think now you add a kid in TJ Storman who played very well for, for TCU. I think that you could argue at different times that he was their best offensive lineman. Uh, you know, now you get that position coming in, you know, Texas tech has a pretty strong interior group if they can just find the tackles alongside. And now, you know, same sort of deal. Like I was saying about Texas A&M, you get to lock down one of those tackle positions. So really the competition is at guard where Jack Anderson's off to the NFL, but then also at that other tackle, you limit the amount of competitions you need to have. You, you limit the number of guys who need to take that step. Because if, if you're just looking for one tackle to hopefully step up, that, that's reasonable. I think that's something that can happen. And I think that Stormont gives you that ability. Yeah. And they've been like, you know, their, their tackles have been inconsistent, but they've been, they've shown the ability to develop tackles, right. It's yes. under, under Matt Wells. And so, yeah, it, it, I think shoring up one of those spots isn't the worst thing in the world, especially when you're investing so much in Tyler Shug and you obviously want him to have the confidence to make the throws that you want him to make. And I think this shows that they know they, they saw their weaknesses, right? They got rid of their offensive staff and they brought in a new quarterback. They, they obviously know where they were weak, but I think it also shows that they're willing to really, really go and invest in whatever they're trying to build on that side of the ball. Now, I think that you can't, you can't I don't know, you can, to me, you, you, any offensive line help is good in general, but in particular for this, that program, this, that spot, and like you mentioned, stealing their, you know, stealing another one, right. <laughs> um, is, is just like, you can't get you couldn't get any better than that and so yeah no i that's a that's an excellent pick and the other thing that i'll mention about it is that remember he's coming over with sunny cumby he knows that system yeah. he knows what's expected of him um and and no i mean i think that you mix 
adding Stormont with potentially playing a little bit more of an offensive line friendly system as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that big things could happen. Now, again, I feel like I felt that both of the last two years and it went very poorly for me, but, uh, but, you know, I just feel like he's going to be some real stability at that position. And I mean, I, I think that anybody would argue that uh, that tackle is perhaps outside a quarterback, the most important position to have stability. Sure. Sure. All right. I'm, I'm deciding between two guys. So I'm gonna let you go with yours. Cause you took Trey Siggers. So I'm gonna let you go to the next one. I'm just, I'll, I'll flip a coin on these next two guys. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have a couple that I was considering too. Um, I'm going to go with Siaki Ika from uh, from Baylor. So this is uh, this is somebody who, yeah, I don't think is going to be necessarily a big name guy. Um, he was an LSU transfer. He played actually four games last year and then entered the transfer portal because he was like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he was a, a blue chip recruit. Uh, and the biggest thing about it is that on defense, there's really, to me, only one not even weak spot, just questionable spot on the Baylor defense. And mm-hmm. to me, that is that defensive line and especially that interior defensive line. I just don't think it came along the way that I think all of us expected it to come along. And you look at the way that Dave Aranda's defense works, right? You don't need to per se, get after the quarterback. You don't need to like, you know, you don't need to do all that stuff, right? It's, it's more about clearing lanes for the linebackers and, uh, and I mean, I would argue Baylor's linebacking core, you know, if you, if you include Jalen Petrie, which is a little complicated, but if you include him, I mean, that's as good a linebacking core as anybody, right? I mean, that's a, that's a crazy good lineup with Dylan Doyle, Terrell Ter- uh, Bernard and Jalen Petrie. And so I think that you add a body like Ika, and I think that it just changes the way that you have to play offense against this team. And, and I don't think that he's going to step in and be any sort of all big 12 type right away, but this is a kid with, I mean, obviously LSU physical upside, right? Like that's what you're working with. And I think, you know, for me, I mean, I was having a talk with somebody else, you know, when you, when you look at recruiting and we look at transfers, I think that the one place where if you're looking positionally that I look at recruiting metrics the most, it is the lines because Mm -hmm. there's only a certain amount of people who are that big, who move that well. And I'm not even, I I mean, again, we'll see whether Ike does enough to get into the starting lineup, but this is somebody who Dave Aranda at LSU kind of handpicked to be his, his nose tackle of the future. I I think he's going to be a really good fit in this Baylor defense. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that's, that's another good pick. I think that the familiarity with Dave Aranda helps. Um, I want to say he, let's see, did he play for Dennis Johnson too? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know if he did. Cause I think okay. that that was the, uh, I think that that was 2019, I believe was the, the year that Dennis Johnson, uh, missed all the, all of that year. Gotcha. And then, okay. and, and then 2020, he uh, obviously was at Baylor, right? Right. Okay. But was probably so, recruited but, but, to some extent. Yeah. So, so there's, I think there's some point is there's familiarity there. Yes. And you mentioned the size and the elite, like presence that somebody who's good enough to go to LSU, right. Former four-star recruit. <laughs> Um, this is a guy who's going to have presence and he's going to be in the mix, right? And we're not going to say he's going to probably put, I mean, he, he, there's a chance he does push for, you know, the playing time this year, but he's definitely going to be in the mix just because of his sheer raw potential. And having somebody like that in the mix just elevates the play entirely, right? If you're, if you're going against this guy in practice, if you're going against this guy in workouts, and if you're trying to beat out this kind of guy, right, your offensive, your defensive line is going to get better. 
and your offensive line is going to get better trying to block this guy. <laughs> and so having this guy, having a, a talent like that around just kind of elevates everybody else, right? And I think that it shows the talent that Dave Aranda can attract in. I mean, you know, there, yeah. obviously the familiarity is there, but I think that, you know, somebody of that caliber saying, yeah, I'm going to give a shot and go to Baylor, right? Um, yeah, so I think I, 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 like I that a lot. I do have to give uh, the 247 player comparison when he was coming out of high school because it, it would not be a bad thing for Baylor to have the next star Lotulele. <laughs> it would not right, be yeah. bad at all. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd, that'd be that'd be a great that'd be a great pickup. Uh, okay, I decided to go with a TCU transfer. Okay, because we talked about how Gary Patterson's 425 has not looked very intimidating lately. Yeah. I'm going to go with UCF's Kenny Turnier. Mm. I think it's Turnier or Turnier. I can't remember. But he burst onto the scene in 2019. And I believe he had, let's see. Uh, I'm looking, trying to find his numbers right here. I want to see he had 13. Ta- yeah. So at, UC- at UCF, as a retro sophomore, he, uh, he racked up 42 tackles, 13 and a half tackles for loss. And he was dismissed because he had a uh, uh, driving recklessly, I, I think, um, and he, with a suspended license or something. So Hypo released him and he committed to TCU in December or January, I can't remember. Um, TCU getting back to the roots is not a bad thing. And I think having somebody who was good enough to make a pretty big impact at UCF, a very good UCF, uh, is only a plus because we've talked about that defensive line just not looking as elite as we're used to seeing. And when you add talent that can be immediately helpful, add pass rushing talent, add the what about what, what we kind of like to acknowledge as like the aggressive stats, right? The tackles for loss, the sacks, the things like that, the pressures. That can only be a good thing because again, we mentioned that Gary Patterson's always been able to lean on that four-two-five, and he's always been able to lean on the pass rush, and he's always been able to lean on run stopping. And it hasn't been at that level the past couple years. It's been a little while. And I think he's starting to see that because this kind of addition, I think it's I think it's going to pay off a lot because this is a guy who I think he, I want to say he was hurt last year before he got removed from the team because 2019 was a big production year for him. And I'm really excited to see what he could do for TCU. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think first of all, any of the four transfers that TCU added, I think, could be on this list. Uh, you yeah, know, they they, they added uh, two players from Memphis, TJ Carter at cornerback and Obena Easy, Easy, I think it's pronounced, at a, mm-hmm. at offensive tackle to try and replace TJ Storman, obviously. And then, right. obviously, uh, Chandler Morris, the whole saga there from Oklahoma. But I really yeah, so, like this okay, pick. So I, so I found it. He, he, it's 2020. He did play last year. He was removed from the program in November. But he played in the first five games. 12 tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss, four sacks. Mm, I mean, that, this is this not is bad. Game, this is a potential game changer on that defensive line. You know, and the other thing that I'll say too is that, I mean, first of all, Gary Patterson in general recruits defensive ends really well, but he has a real strong history of adding transfers too at defensive end. You know, I mean, he doesn't miss very often. And you mentioned, I mean, I, mean, I think it's really the difference between you want to maybe go back to those like 2017 teams and and the 2014, 15 teams, you know, we talk so much about offense and yes, that matters, but you look at the defensive ends that those teams had, you know, you had a guy like Ben Banigou back in 2017, right. Who was a transfer, by the way, it it just makes such a difference for that team. I mean, they're going to keep everything in front of them. They're going to play well, regardless. They're going to be a good defense. Statistically, they're going to be a good defense, but 
there it really is such a difference between a good Gary Patterson defense and like an elite Gary Patterson defense. And, and I think you're absolutely right. Adding a guy at defensive end who can kind of get into that mix and, and cause some issues in that four, two, five. I think that would be absolutely huge for them. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, so I ended up going with Trey Siggers uh, from SMU. I ended up going with TJ Stormont from Texas tech and Siaki Ika from Baylor. And who should you go with? I went with Kenny Turnier, uh, Turnier, I'll have to figure out how to pronounce that right. Whenever he uh, makes a big play this fall um, from S- uh, from UCF to TCU, I went with DC Williams from uh, uh, Vanderbilt to Texas state. And I am forgetting my last one already. Uh, <laughs> Jameer Johnson from, from Tennessee, Tennessee, from Tennessee to yeah. Texas A&M on the offensive line. Listen, it's been a long day. Uh, I know the both of us have <laughs> have had quite a few uh, interviews today. So we're usually we try to do this a little earlier in the day, but man, it's uh, it's been a we, day to get together. We I think we're both a double digit interviews for the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot, man. It's a lot. This is this is sleeping season, man. This is. <laughs> this, yeah. Well, I, obviously, John Rothstein always says the the will sleep in May line. Uh, for me, it's the will sleep in June. I, I will sleep a lot once we finally make it to June. 100%. But, but uh, by the way, by the way, last week we dropped a preview edition of the Texas Twenty Four, our brand new basketball podcast. Is tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Me and Matthew Bruni of Two Four Seven. Just talking college basketball, uh, we'll obviously dip into high school when it's appropriate. Our first episode went over, previewed, and then we later recapped uh, the girls and boys state basketball tournaments. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. We've had Justin Carter on to talk women's basketball. Obviously, it was a pretty damn big year for basketball around the state. So please tell me uh, why. <laughs> I think, uh, oh, that's right. Houston made a final four. That's why. Wow, that's crazy, man. That's that the crazy. biggest thing to happen in the state, <laughs> uh, in men's basketball in particular. What, what happened um, when they got there? I don't know. Uh, they, I don't, they lost to, uh, the Valparaiso. I don't know. He's doing pretty good. He's, I don't know. Anyway, uh, the Indiana coach. Yeah. 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 yeah the, yeah, the new Indiana coach. Um, <laughs> but, uh, as we know, of course, Baylor, the first men's basketball tournament since, uh, Texas Western now UTEP in 1966. So, uh, we had a lot of fun. We recorded a uh, reaction episode the night of, I believe you would put that on this feed if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, to a little, a little teaser, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We had, uh, two episodes a week for a while. We're probably going to switch down to one now that the offseason's going on. But just like in football, um, it's transfer mania because of the COVID freezing eligibility, uh, freezing of eligibility. So everybody's moving. Of course, everybody's also getting hired away. So <laughs> whereas there's been a lot of news. Uh, we just put up a new episode uh, today that recapped basically everything from Chris Beard to Texas to now Joe Golding to UTEP. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I, I think that I saw uh, Matthew Bruni tweet that uh, as soon as you guys finish recording the episode, Abilene Christian made an announcement. Literally right after we hung up, a minute later, Abilene Christian announced they were promoting their new head coach. So <laughs> it just shows that we're not going to ever be on time with anything, but you know, might as well listen to us anyway. <laughs> listen, I'm sure while we were doing this podcast, I'm sure Texas like announced a starting quarterback or something right. like that. that. That's just <laughs> right. how this works, right? Like, I think we've right. been in this business long enough to know we're going to lose. It's <laughs> being transferred to Texas. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> a walk-on starting at Texas A&M. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. But, 
<laughs> I wish I knew a walk-on that I could name to, to make the joke. But well, don't make that joke because that, that was actually like the case a couple years ago, wasn't it? <laughs> man, don't, don't bring him back down that path. <laughs> Listen, man, uh, he was a good player. He was, he was a good player. Uh, Jay Kubinak, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. He's still around there. He's still around College Station. We, we love us some Jay Kubinak. So. <laughs> anyway uh thanks everybody for joining us as always hey if you guys could help us out uh we'd love you to start spreading the word of the podcast if you enjoy this show uh make sure that your friends are subscribing uh you know and also leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts if you can i think that's the only one that you do reviews and all that on so so please help us out with that it helps people find our show of course uh yeah i mean listen we have a lot of fun doing this and we want we want to grow the show you know we want to keep it growing so uh, you can find all of our work at textfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. Become a subscriber at textfootball.com slash subscribe. Listen, if you're not a subscriber as yet, now is the perfect time. We're about to, uh, to come out with the next summer edition, and it'll get mailed directly to your house. You'll get it before anybody else. So make sure and become a subscriber now at textfootball.com slash subscribe. Anyway, thanks so much, everybody, for joining us, and we will be back with you guys again next week.